0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to Dear Old World. Welcome back to Dear Old World. This week, I have a very spooky guest for you. (laughs) And it's not spooky time of year, but you know what? When you're Sinead Prasad, every time of year is spooky time of year. Yes, indeed, Sinead Prasad, the very same, my sister-in-law. I currently, as I record this, Sean and I are not married I don't know what the status of our relationship will be when this is released, but I have already started re- to refer to Sinead as my sister-in-law because Sean and I have been together for over nine years. And that how else do you refer to the person that is the sister of your longtime significant other? Anyway, that's not what this is about. It's about how great she is and how cool she is. And uh, mostly it's about writing headless. Now, if you are due... Get ready for me to tell you what Headless is. And if you're not new, I'm sorry, you have to listen to this again. So Shipwrecked Comedy is the group that I produce with. Yes, I am primarily an actor, but I also produce. And in fact, I would encourage many other actors to try their hand at producing. It's something I never thought I would do, but... Boy, oh boy, have I learned so much and also found it extremely fulfilling. Yeah, so I produce with Shipwrecked Comedy. Shipwrecked was founded by Sean and Sinead. They are brother and sister. They are from Salem, Massachusetts, sort of, and... Together, we make literary and historically inspired comedy content for the Internet. And we try and make sure that com- that comedy content is usually cinematic and beautiful as well. And uh, our most recent project at the time of this recording, we have already started working on our next project. But the thing that we have released most recently is Headless, A Sleepy Hollow Story, which is a 10-part series. It's a web series, but it's actually really like a mini TV show. And uh, you can watch it for free on our YouTube channel. It is a modern comedic reimagining of Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And uh, it actually sprung out of Sinead's brain many, many moons ago when she was but a young girl because she was a big fan of the Tim Burton film starring Johnny Depp. And uh, she always thought... Hey, wouldn't it be funny if Ichabod and the Headless Horseman were roommates? Or like, what if the Headless Horseman wasn't a scary guy? Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll let her tell you all of this. (laughs) But if you haven't seen Headless, I would recommend you go watch it before you listen to this interview. And uh, it's free. Did I mention? Did I mention it's free? And I just, I'm not, I've never been so proud of anything in my whole life. I just think it's so great. And it also was so difficult to (laughs) to bring to life so that's why it means so much to me when you watch it because I truly spent so much sweat and blood and tears over it and I love it and I'm so proud of it and Sinead is as well in addition to writing it, she also plays Matilda, who is one of the show's sort of four main uh, core characters. And uh, likewise, with all of Shipwreck's projects, she and Sean are in them. She also plays Fig Wineshine in The Case of the Gilded Lily, which our next project, The Case of the Greater Gatsby, which is a new audio narrative mystery noir, uh, is a sequel to The Case of the Gilded Lily. And of course, you may know Poe Party. Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party, in which she plays the sassy ghost, Lenore. So if you don't know Sinead, there's so much free stuff out there for you to watch and enjoy. And she's very good in all of it. And I'm not just saying that because I am soon to be related to her by marriage. I truly feel it. Also, in this episode, I go through the... (laughs) true behind the scenes of shooting headless. And I talk about that for well over an hour. So if you are a behind the scenes junkie, You can hear more on my Patreon. And that said, I also, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, we will have released all of our behind-the-scenes featurettes, which I edited myself and we made for Kickstarter, but you can also purchase them um, if you would like to get more behind-the-scenes, you know, kind of like the DVD goodies for Headless. We're going to put one of them on our YouTube channel publicly, but there are going to be six in total, and I'm sure altogether they're going to be many hours of... Content And I hope that you will watch them and buy them and support Shipwrecked because I will have spent many hours of my life on them. And um, if that's not for you, maybe go buy the soundtrack. It's exquisite. And if you want to sign up. For my Patreon at the $8 level, you can get access to so many more of these episodes. And that is all the plugging I will do now. Okay, let's get into this interview from December 2022 with the queen of spookiness and the macabre herself, Sinead Prasad. Enjoy. Hi, Sinead. How's it going? (laughs) Great. How are you? good i'm hoping it starts raining again soon yeah me too i was promised all this storm and it has been fine it says 3 p.m we're gonna get some more so i hope so here's hoping i don't know how to start this podcast because most of my guests are not people that i talk to every single day Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you i talk to every day yay i know what's going on with you Oh, I just yep. now noticed your earrings are Jaws. Yeah. That's fun. I got
1: them when I was shopping the other day in Burbank. Yeah, they're really cute. The whole store that was just like
0: earrings made for me. And I had to choose wisely. They are. They're great. Um. Yeah. Well, I don't know. How's life, Sinead? <laughs> I know, but my listeners don't know. How's your life right now? <laughs>
1: life is good. Life yeah. is, you know, I crave routine that I can't ever have because so things just pop up,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: you know? Are like, you
0: a person that craves routine in general? I think I am. I didn't used
1: to be. I was mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, the art. Every day will be different. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, I like that.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: it's more in the extent of, like, I like to read a different book every week. Mm-hmm. But I still like to be reading. But I want it to be a different adventure every week. But, um Yeah. It's very disconcerting to me when I'm like, oh, I have a week of things to do and every day is completely different because I'm a very forgetful person Mm -hmm. and I I really have found a a way of trying to not forget all the things I do. I have my Google Calendar, but then I also have like 10 sticky notes on my desktop that like the computer sticky notes app. Mm -hmm. And I write every single thing every single day at every single time I have to do it and i bold it out every time it's done. And that's the only
0: way that I don't forget to do things. Well, I think you've done the a pretty way. a pretty good job of overcoming that. I don't know that yeah. <laughs> I would say Sean has figured out a system to help himself with that. No, he, he shocks me with what he doesn't know. I'm like, we have a big work meeting today. And he's like, mm-hmm. I forgot. And I'm like, well, how did you get so far in your life? But he does because he's likable. <laughs> he is likable. You both... um yeah, I have a hard time keeping track of of things sometimes, but I
1: do and I
0: I like to think that's the creative energy. Well, I'm happy to be a person no. that helps you guys keep track of things, but it, I fall a little short when it's something that I'm not involved in and I don't know about. Mm-hmm. Like all of Sean's work meetings, I don't know about yeah. that. So, and you shouldn't have to be his personal assistant for his day job. That's weird. <laughs> well, sometimes it feels like I am. <laughs> in craving routine, do you long for the schedule of, say, a TV staff writer job, which is a nine-to-five exactly what I would love. Yeah, I would love to just know that every day for eight hours I got to go
1: and do the thing that I have wanted to do forever. But yeah. you know, once it happens, maybe I'll crave something else. That I feel is like I'm one of those true. people. I shall never
0: be satisfied like Angelica. Yeah. I think that's me too, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's just dive right into is it the elephant in the room? I don't know. Headless is over. How are you feeling? I feel good. Yeah? I don't feel sad.
1: There's like a part of me that's sad. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, it was really fun to wake up on Monday mornings and see what everybody was going to think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm relieved. I'm excited to work on something new, you know? Yeah. I. I just it's been this for so long and it's yeah. felt like even though i love it and i'm so happy it exists and it's i'm just like it's our baby it's perfect in every way despite all the um issues and hardships that we have overcame to get to this point um but now i'm like great that behemoth of a task is over yeah. let's write something
0: new i feel like you guys really ran the gamut on headless you like did it. And then you got to a point where you both hated it and you did yeah. not want to work on it anymore. Yeah. I remember having to poke you guys to do certain edits and stuff. And and I don't blame you. You were just both really sick of it because you worked on it for so long. We were sick of it
1: because we worked on it for so long and we were sick of it because it just seemed like no matter what we did, we were never going to be able to make it. Mm. It was like, okay, well, we edited it down from 180 pages to 130. Mm-hmm. There's no more we can do. And then they were like, you have to do more. And we mm-hmm. were like, well, this just, it just became not fun. And mm-hmm. I think the time, like if it had been like a three month period, like right headless, cut it from 180 to 130, cut it from 130 to 90. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a lot different. But the fact that it was over two years, mm-hmm. And we were working on very little else was like, Mm -hmm. made my mind boil into a stew. And just looking back at like watching it on Friday night, I'm like, it's great. All the edits were so worth it. I can't, I forget what half of them are like characters who didn't need to be there were cut and uh, mashed into one. It's just like, great. And I'm so proud of the work that we did, but I wouldn't. I don't don't want to do do that again. Those days. (laughs) Well,
0: I do think it is a impressive that yes, you guys did manage to cut it down in a way that it now feels so tight and like everything that is part of it has a reason for being a part of it. But you also don't lose the fun of it and like the wackiness of all these different characters. I'm very impressed with what you guys were able to do because, yeah, I remember you being like, there's nothing else we can cut. And lo and behold, there was. Mm -hmm. And B, I'm really happy that you are so pleased with it now. I think you both really are proud of it and really love it considering how much for a period of time you both were like, I never want to think about this again, (laughs) which is is fair.
1: (laughs) Truly. But yeah, we're, we're always quoting our own jokes and I just walk around singing these bard songs and I'm like, am I full of myself now? I, <laughs> am I just like, did we make the best show? We did. Um, but I have so little confidence so often
0: that I feel like I'm allowed to I think that we did a great job. I'm really proud of you both and happy <laughs> that you both are so proud of it because yes, you generally do not toot your own horns ever. And if you know, the response from every single person were not, oh, this is the best thing I've seen all year. Oh, this is an amazing show. This is better than anything. Then, you know, maybe you would be a little whatever, but Mm -hmm. I, I think it's warranted. I know for me, I just like, I don't know. I have always had somewhat of an obsessive personality, which is part of why I can kind of identify with some of our audience and where they come from when they get so excited about stuff because like that Mm -hmm. was me obviously about Lord of the Rings same um yeah that was me about the Decembrists I loved and still love to just fixate on things and I see that now like that's what I've done with Headless and I don't want to let go of it like I haven't normally I listen to the news when I'm like making dinner or whatever and now I just turn on the playlist and just listen to the show because I don't Aww. really want to think about anything else and I don't mm-hmm. really want to like I mean the news is terrible so uh that's not Fair fun man. anyway but I don't know I'm just like yeah I don't I'm not ready to to not be immersed in headless all of the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: but lucky me <laughs> there's still a lot to do so Oma says he's not either <laughs> <laughs> you
1: love headless
0: you love it, Gomez? He loves Atlas. Well, normally on these uh, podcasts, I sort of ask people their creative journeys and whatnot. But I feel like most of my listeners probably know your general story. Yeah. And I have a lot of questions from my patrons for you. So maybe we'll just dive right into some questions and see what conversation that sparks. Great. If you don't mind. I don't mind at all. I love <laughs> to be asked questions. The first question from Steve was, who's on the other side of the door? <laughs> which Aww. I knew someone would ask. I'm I honestly, su- I'm surprised that people are so, I didn't expect that cliffhanger to be like so frustrating for people.
1: I know. And I, I do feel like it was maybe the tiniest bit cheap. Hmm. not knowing if not knowing if the network was going to pick us up for season two or not. Uh, the network being us <laughs> company being Kickstarter or some lovely network who does want to give us money, but we do know. And obviously, I mean, not obviously based on how much I've talked about, not wanting to write this show anymore, <laughs> but we have ideas for season two and we do know who's on the other side of the door. And yeah, I just felt so much better leaving it leaving a question or two mm-hmm. than just wrapping everything up nice and tidily. It just mm-hmm. I mean, I am a person who loves to have answers. like I was watching season one of Yellow Jackets a few months ago, and I was like, Oh, this is like a limited series. how How lovely. Uh, I'll get watch it' And there's so many questions raised in the first episode. And then halfway through the series, I was like, oh no. They got renewed for a season two. I'm not getting (laughs) any answers, am (laughs) I? And I got really frustrated. And sure enough, you get hardly any answers in that first season. Spoiler alert! Mm -hmm. Uh, Spoiler for no spoilers. (laughs) So I didn't want to. We didn't want to do that. Obviously, we find out everything about our main characters pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some secondary characters that we still have questions about, and then there's this one that's just like, who is it? So I feel Mm -hmm. like it's still satisfying while being a little obnoxious and.
0: Yeah, I think it's incredibly uh satisfying in terms of like really wrapping up the main yeah. the main stuff. And I mean we we always come
1: you know, we do our due diligence. You everybody wondered what the big crime was in Gilded Lily, and now you're gonna find out. So
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, there you go. I hope well, I'll say this. I don't know. I probably felt this way after Poe Party, but I obviously am In my heart, not ready to let go of Sleepy Hollow and Headless. But I do think it, Poe Party felt so much more contained as like, this is Mm -hmm. this story. And I think you guys have done a great job with Headless of just clearly setting up characters in a world that like there could be so much more of. Even though this season (laughs) is about the Headless Horseman and, you know, spoilers. We find out who it is and then they get Mm -hmm. sent off into the ether. Isla would love in a potential future season to find out more about Matilda and her life and her backstory, and mm-hmm. I think that would be very fun as well. I think there's a lot there.
1: Yeah, maybe have some more. I know we're adults, but we—I don't feel like an adult. Yeah, having more parents, and adult, adult figures in
0: the show would be cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Um, next question. Maddie asked, what do you find different when writing narrative pieces compared to film slash script pieces? Do you prefer one or the other? Narrative or film? I don't know if people are as familiar that you do writing on your own outside of, of shipwrecked or, or any writing jobs you and Sean get as, Mm -hmm. as writing partners. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? I just pushed up my
1: (laughs) glasses that I'm not wearing, by the way. (laughs) Um, that's a great question that I I'm more I'm to start off I'm definitely more comfortable in my I'm I'm more confident in my script writing mm. skills like I do feel like I could churn out a script really quickly and be like proud mm. of it whereas narrative it's so I find it so much harder mm. but also really fun cuz you can just you can describe things and you can like scripts people really want scripts to look a certain way. Like they want lots of white spaces. They want things to be snappy. They want an inciting incident on page two. And characters have to be introduced with a sentence that describes like a a line. They have to say something to a cashier that describes exactly who they are in like two seconds. And you're like, boom, boom, boom. Which I feel like Sean and I have, we've really gotten used to and I think we're pretty good at. Um, With narrative and prose, you have a lot more time But also it's just, you have to keep people engaged in the same way. And mostly I've written like shorts, short stories, and they've been a lot more. I'm very much interested in getting into like horror. I'm trying to write a horror novel right now. I wrote one earlier this year and I'm just very not confident in it. You know, I'll like open to a page and I'll be like, oh, that's really interesting. And then I'll be like, that whole plot point doesn't work. And which is. Something I struggle with without Sean is being like, this doesn't make sense. (sighs) Sean would know what to do, which is why I will have him read all of my prose one day. But also prose writing for me, writing with my brother with scripts is is one thing. We write like funny stuff. We write like kooky stuff. I personally like to write. uh, I have a lot of ideas for a lot like darker stories that mm, I don't feel, not that I don't feel comfortable writing with another person, but it's just a lot more personal mm-hmm. to me um stories that explore like the, from a very female point of view like most of my protagonists in my horror stories are are ladies and um I'm sure Sean would be a great collaborative writer for narrative but sometimes you know you just want to write a weird thing on your own and be
0: like yeah well I think um you guys are a really good team and I think people are really fascinated mm-hmm. By you for this reason considering that you are blood that you are siblings yeah um, you you are a good team because you both have very different strengths but mm-hmm. you are much more likely to sort of just be off to the races and take an idea and and start writing it and go for it whereas sean i think gets a little too like muddled up in in like Wanting it to make sense, or like getting started or like having it be the right thing, I guess. Yeah, um, which sure. is, again, like why I think you guys are a good fit together because like you are the one that sort of just wants to put stuff on the page and then he can kind of take it and craft it, mm-hmm. but he won't all necessarily get started on his own. And so, yeah, I mean, good for you for for doing that. And because I think a lot of people probably do get tripped up. At that stage mm. of it. That's my
1: favorite stage. Yeah. The the just, like, I love beginnings. I feel like they're so fun. I like to think about what the first image someone's going to see on a screen or yeah. the first sentence. Like, the headless opening has been the same ever since, yeah. like, I wrote an entire pass of the first episode before we even, like, decided to really make yeah. it. And that first scene with Rip is, like, the same. I was like, I wanted to be... Kind of horror, kind of thriller, like open with a question, a dark, spooky night, and then we'll go go from there. And then so much changed in the pilot, but that remained the same. And yeah, I just, I get really obsessed with ideas and I like to start, I like to start Mm -hmm. things. It's the middle where I get bogged down. And that's where Sean has to come in and be like, okay, now we have to go back to the beginning and outline, which we should have done (laughs) first. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I was just so excited. Oh,
0: again, you guys are, you guys are a really good team together. And I think, um, yeah, I don't know. That's why your stuff works so well. Um, Do you feel a strong desire or calling in, in terms of one uh, avenue of writing over the other? Or do you, would you be happy to continue to do both?
1: I'm very happy to to do both. I mean, I've always done both my like, whole life. I've always been writing short stories and trying to write novels. And um, I think the fact that Sean and I have partnered up is the reason why so much more of our stuff does get finished mm-hmm. now. But I I very much want to be in both worlds. Mm-hmm. I think that I have so many stories to tell in both mediums. And it would be so cool if one day like I wrote a novel and then I was just like, hey, Sean, here's (laughs) $50,000 (laughs) adapted. I love that idea. Um, Or something like that. That would be really cool. Um, I I just want us both to always be working on projects that we love and are interested in.
0: I want that too. I am so impressed by y'all's just ideas. Like I just, it's amazing how how much we have so many you do and it makes me genuinely sad (laughs) to think that some (laughs) of them will remain locked away forever and Mm -hmm. will never see the light of day only because you truly have too many (laughs) probably to ever fully do but Mm -hmm. hopefully we get to do all the ones that we really like in one fashion or another i hope so too uh james asked how do you approach acting when it's something you and sean have written versus something you've been hired on to That's a great question. Do you feel like you approach it differently?
1: No, no, I don't think I do. I think it's very much uh, once it's written, it's written. And then we come, I'm never never writing with Sean like a Matilda scene and being like, okay, here's this line. Here's how I'm going to say it when we're on set. It's very much like the story first. And then when we're on set or hopefully in the days before, weeks before, figuring out the character and like backstory and what the point of view is for this character. And a lot of a lot of Matilda stuff happened on set and with Joe and just talking about all our characters together and, and learning about it on set, which was really cool. And I'm trying to think like of other characters that I've played that I haven't written. And it it is very similar. It's a similar approach. I just happened to have this time written a character that
0: I had all the clothes for. So that was fun. (laughs) do you feel the same in terms of fig or lenore yeah yeah you're just sort of like writing it apart from thinking of yourself
1: yeah totally i'm like someone else could do this and it would be
0: very different i was saying this to both of you uh recently so i'll just repeat myself (laughs) but i do think that is what is one of the things you guys are really good at is both writing yourselves characters and not just yourselves uh everybody we know I think we do a pretty good job of casting, but that starts with you guys, like writing, obviously like writing Brahm for Gabe, like knowing mm-hmm. from the minute you start writing Brahm that like this is for Gabe, but also for yourselves, like writing yourselves really great roles that play to your strengths without ever making it feel like you guys are just doing this because you want to play this part. Yeah, It's like you you write these scripts almost completely like separately from... I don't ever feel like you're like, well, Matilda wouldn't do that because I don't want to do that or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Or like, well, she has to do this because I want to have this big scene or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it completely feels like you are always writing with the good of the story and the overarching, you know, plot and various characters in mind rather than for yourselves.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, I would have written myself. A nice, juicy, dramatic scene with John Rubenstein. And I, didn't, I don't even share <laughs> the screen with him. So,
0: But you do have some nice, juicy, dramatic scenes I with Felicia do. Day. That is pretty cool. Yeah. I think that is something that's really admirable about you guys. And I think especially in Hollywood where egos are large, that is a tr- pitfall that mm-hmm. a lot of writer-actors fall into is wanting to, I don't know, write themselves something and maybe not knowing their own strengths and then it's like it's not as good as they probably want it to be but i mean i'm biased but i think you both are very good in these roles and in all the roles that you have written for yourselves and it never feels like just a vanity Mm -hmm. project or whatever
1: and it's fun to like give people not even just for me but like change around people's perceptions of other actors like you getting to do this big switch at the end of the show where you're like, I mean, and I'm raspy now, but so much more than <laughs> yeah. that. And then Sarah <laughs> being like a spy where she's always like a sweet little, little bean. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Does anybody else really play? I guess Joanna also has rarely played mm-hmm. like a mean type and she just kills it. And so mm-hmm. that's fun to explore also, but everybody's just so capable that it's very easy to just be like,
0: okay, now you're doing this. I mean, I think it's, like, I was surprised when you guys told me what happened with Kat. Like, you're, again, like, it's not, I'm, you aren't running stuff by me, like, and I wouldn't (laughs) want you to. You're just like, well, this is, and same when you told me Annabelle died. I didn't realize that was going to happen. We do
1: always have a fun moment when we're right. It's like with Gilded Lily and this and Headless and Um, other pilots that we've done we always i know it's good if we have the like are we really gonna do that moment and it's it's a delight
0: that's so cool Mm -hmm. i can't i'm not a writer so i can't imagine what that's like but like it's fun to be able to surprise yourself that's so cool Mm -hmm. well what was how was it what was the like how did cat being the the bad come about I don't remember, Mary Kate. It was so long ago. Whoa, too long ago. So
1: long ago. But there was so much time where we were just trying to piece together what this story was. Because for the longest Mm -hmm. time, I was like, okay, Ichabod's gonna be roommates. Um, We're gonna be Mm -hmm. trying to find out who it is. Who is it? Also, what Mm -hmm. else is going on? Also, like, I am so uninterested in writing just like another. Oh, guy and girl, like uh, they will, I love a will they won't they, but this one, I don't know, like small guy comes to awkward guy meets cool girl. I don't know. It was like very, we got to, we've yeah. got to play with this. This can't just be what it is. Um yeah. so might've been born out of that might've just been born out of, I know we were really excited about having a mystery who is the headless horseman? And then another mystery that you don't even know is a mystery until episode nine. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, wait, I was watching a mystery about this
0: the whole time.
1: Um, and I think yeah. that was really appealing to us as well to be able to throw a curveball about something that you didn't even know you were watching. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people figured out because we tried to lay some breadcrumbs, so you weren't
0: blindsided
1: by it. But well, still hopefully
0: surprising to some people. <laughs> I think that's been an overarching comment and like or a common bit of feedback that we've gotten is that people have found it so surprising at every turn while at the same time not feeling like anything like didn't make sense or came out of left field yeah. completely. And uh, you guys are getting a lot of praise for constantly subverting tropes here. Which love that. is cool. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that like that's how you went about it. Being like, but I, but I think maybe that's just born out of what you were saying. Like we don't want to do the same thing yeah. that like you're used to seeing all the time.
1: That definitely for the cat storyline, it was definitely. I don't think we ever said let's subvert a trope. But we definitely (laughs) were like, let's do something different with the cat character than she's usually, you know, we've talked about this described as the blooming Mm -hmm. Katrina and she's Mm -hmm. just cute and there and her animated self in Ichabod and Mr. Toad is just based on Cinderella and she's being pretty and rich. So and in our version, she's wilting. She is is not. not And same with Matilda. Like I, you know. I love playing, I love an Aubrey Plaza, Wednesday Adams craft type of witch, but also it would be cool to subvert the trope that they're just actually sarcastic and don't care about anybody. And like, what if this sarcastic mean witch actually cared so much that she ruined people's lives and (laughs) is actually super, super emotional person um, inside. So that was also like Um, thinking about characters, but not necessarily being like, let's, let's subvert this, what everybody expects.
0: I think um, that's what a lot of people, what's resonating with a lot of people, because of course, like no human is not without feeling, Mm -hmm. even if they want to pretend like they are, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And to, I don't know, yeah, you guys just did a good job. All the yes. characters are so good. I'm and Brom also you. is a... Yeah, um, exactly. I mean,
1: we've seen it done before with like Steve Harrington's and yeah. other... There was a movie I watched recently where one of the jocks is just like, oh, I didn't even realize I was being mean. I forget what it was though. Mm. It wasn't Do Revenge, but it was something like that. But anyway, it's just fun to have like this stereotypical character type but they just act in ways that you don't expect even if it's Mm -hmm. you know been done it's not it's not been done by like gabe greenspan before
0: (laughs) i think that's where a lot of your y'all's humor comes from as well and i i think that's what is so delightful to people and surprising to people is that you guys just set up a such a scenario and go well wouldn't it be funny if like the thing that you think is gonna happen is not the thing that happens Mm -hmm. or Or, you know, this person reacts in the opposite way than you think they will. And that is funny. That is comedy, baby. That's comedy, baby. Um, Also, where did you guys come up with Brahma and Matilda getting married? We came up with that
1: at Carthay Circle in Disney's California Adventure. I think I was having a hot chocolate because it was really rainy. Mm. And Mm. yeah, we come up with a lot of ideas there. Yeah. Um, and we just thought it was really funny, and I had my little notebook in it and with me, and I was just like, brother and they actually accidentally have to get married." And Judy is like, "I'm ordained," and she and they're like, "Well, what about? Uh, we need a witness," and she's like, "I'm actually an ordained witness as well." So there's like, <laughs> no way they can get out of it. And the next day, Brahma's like, "Man, I marriage is such hard work, but it's so rewarding." <laughs> we wrote down all the stuff that didn't end up getting used, Um, uh-huh. but I. It was such a one-off joke. And then we were just like, and they just go for it. And I think yeah. what Joe was trying to go for on set, I feel like Joe has a headcanon where Matilda has always been in love with Brom. Oh, do you think so? I think that's what he was trying to get at with some of his directions to me. Like, Interesting. He, I did a bunch of takes of like Brom and I are in love where I was like scrambling to think of what to say. And Joe was like, "Do it like you knew you were going to say that. That's what you've been thinking about this whole. You're like." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And then he was just like, always being like, "Give him a little smile. Like you're actually you're like really proud of him. And you're like sec- you like secretly think he's really smart." And I was like, do "You think Brom really likes? you mean tell really likes Brom?"
0: Well, um, what do you
1: think? I don't know. I writer. think that's very interesting. Yeah. Um. I like. I like everybody's. Um takes on it though. I like that they have like a completely non-romantic relationship just based on liking to being around each other. It would be, it would mm-hmm. kind of be cute if it was like an April Andy thing where she was like, you've just liked my best friend the whole time. I'm never <laughs> going to tell you that I like you, but I don't know. It's, it's fun all the way, all the ways.
0: I certainly didn't expect people to get so into it. <laughs> I, I feel like I like to think that I can accurately predict how people are going to respond to things. And I was not prepared for how Mm -hmm. much people love Brom and Matilda.
1: People's relationship with Brom was such a whirlwind because he's such a... Yeah. He goes in and out of being like a total jerk until episode five. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to be nice. Okay. I'm going to get married. Okay. I'm going to go all in.
0: And then by episode seven, you're like,
1: Brom, we
0: love you. We've always loved him, so mm-hmm. it was very yeah. validating to see yeah, everybody knew else. knew what was
1: in his heart from the beginning.
0: Aw, so good. Um, Matt asks, what's it like working so closely with family? Or when slash how did you and Sean decide to start collaborating on creating content?
1: Yeah, so we, you know, had done creative stuff with each other in the past like when we were kids and I always always would send Sean like my writing or like essays that were really important I believe I sent him all of my college essays to look over it was just always like a script I don't remember how many of my scripts in college I sent him but I would always really really value his feedback um him for like really um story related feedback and then like my dad I would send for like grammatical feedback and between the two of them i would get you know got through all of school um <laughs> and he's still way better th- at grammar than me that goes back to our like i'm just like Bleh! Bleh! and he's like don't you read don't you know where periods go and i'm like i'm gonna fix it post um that's true yeah Um, uh, i know where periods <laughs> go it's mostly commas Mm-hmm. Um, we get on to Sinead yeah,
0: about her commas a on.
1: I'm a run on kind of girl I write like I talk Um, and then once we did you know the first few Edgar Allan Poe things we had this idea for like the dinner party that's mentioned in Telltale Vlog and we were like wouldn't that be fun if we wrote that and then we didn't until Mary Kate made us
0: <laughs> did I make you we, we
1: had a lot of meetings you made us finish it yeah, I think that's probably true. We wrote we most of it. And then you were like, okay, we're doing a table read. We're making it. So finish it. And we like wrote the last <sighs> bit, probably the day of the table read.
0: Um, yeah, I think that's and we were true. Like,
1: Wow, it's pretty, pretty good for a rush job. And then yeah. from there, I think we were just like, cool, we did this. Let's get like a manager, two for ones or a hot commodity in Hollywood. Reader, they're not. Have not been hired on a tv show yet but we have been hired on a video game and some other things that i'm probably forgetting oh we did sundance together too that was fun and from there it just uh made sense to two brains are better than one especially with all of this and we have similar if not not identical but very similar sensibilities yeah and it just made sense so we
0: were writing team yeah Yeah, you guys have a very particular and a very um, complementary sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, you both have certain skills that the other lacks in certain ways. And I think you together just work really well together. Yeah.
1: And we don't really, I don't, we don't fight while we're writing. You don't. We disagree on some things or we'll put things in or... Oftentimes I'll write a joke and be like, that's just stupid. Take it out. And he'll be like, no, I actually like that. And then I'm like, (laughs) just happy all day. I'm like, I made Sean laugh. Yeah. You can't see the little, (laughs) the little smile that she's doing. Yeah. A smug little smile. The little sister (laughs) smile. I made Sean laugh. Or um, yeah, we'll structure things. Usually Sean, Sean is an overwriter. I'll be like, all right. Let him do his eight-page scene and we will cut it down to two later.
0: <laughs> um, but it's good. We don't,
1: we don't fight much. We fought one time on the title of a Poe Party episode.
0: I think that was pretty oh, much it. that's true. And you won and he's still not happy about it. To be fair, I sided with you. Yeah, I still think it makes sense and it is good. He is a stickler for things making sense. It does make sense. It's fine with me. <laughs> he he has a qualm about it. I don't get it. Uh, Rach asks, what is the one piece of advice you would give to your 15-year-old self?
1: Oh, my 15-year-old self. That's a good
0: I will raise this question and say, what is the piece of advice you would give advice to your 15-year-old self? And then what is a piece of advice you would give to your 25-year-old self? Oh, God. 25-year-old me was a hot mess. <laughs> Who wasn't at 25?
1: <laughs> I think I can. The, the 25 year old one I can definitely think of right now. And that is the men are not worth it.
0: Oh, they are not.
1: Don't let them destroy you. Think of That's all the true. things I could have done. Ugh, all of the writing I could have done in the hours yeah. that I was spending obsessing over boyfriends in my 20s.
0: Yeah, that's true. 20s and just like but we all we all do that.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure it will be good for writing and stuff, but I just wish I could have gotten over things a little bit faster. Sure. And just like had some perspective on it. Cuz now if I saw someone who was behaving like I did at 25,
0: I'd be like, "Oh, come on. Same. Me too." Um I definitely was was doing that yeah. sort of thing and now I'm like, "You are so dumb." Yeah. Why?
1: Um <laughs> Why? And for 15-year-old me, and still still kind of learning about this, but just a 15-year-old me, it would kind of just be like, have m- more confidence in what you do, because other people do. So you should also.
0: I would tell you that right now. I know. Give yourself that advice know, right now. That's what
1: he said. A <laughs> 15-year-old me might be able to
0: take that into consideration a little more. Do you think at 15, you were not super confident?
1: I was confident in what I wanted to like do in life, but I definitely was Mm. still like, I'm shy. I don't want to ask for anything. I don't want to
0: talk to people. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Awkward. Weird.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fair. I think a lot of people can relate to that.
1: Mm -hmm. But I still feel like not able to give advice until but I feel like probably everybody thinks that until they're like okay but when I get to this level then I'll be able
0: to give advice when I get to this level but yeah yeah but you've done quite a bit at Mm -hmm. this level uh a similar question Douglas asks what piece of advice do you wish you had gotten sooner
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's a good question too what do I do now that I didn't do then What is something Mm. I've stopped doing? Mm. I feel like there's so much. I guess I would, I'm not really thinking of anything specific. So I'm going to say this one that was like, kind of has come to the forefront in the past few years where Sean and I have been like looking for managers or like asking for favors or like talking to people or following up. And it's just to be a little less precious with all your emails and like uh, correspondence. Um, uh, Sean and I have had taken to, we don't do this as much anymore, but we've taken to opening a Google doc to send an email to our manager or to like draft an email to like showrunner people we know, or to ask a favor and just like painstakingly going over it and having Mary Kate, like look over it. And I'm just like, no one, as long as there's not like glaring typos, just ask it, just be cash. Everyone here Mm -hmm. is cash. Everyone knows that you're looking for a favor.
0: And no mm-hmm. one really
1: cares. So I guess mm-hmm. that's it. Don't treat everything as precious as you think it is because it's not – nobody thinks it mm-hmm. is but you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that is that is true. Yeah. Um, If Sinead had no time constraints – this is from Katie. Mm-hmm. As far as production and money is not an issue, what is an idea you'd love to bring to life?
1: Like, Like an adaptation or like a –
0: I guess anything. anything. I mean, you guys have so many ideas. You so so many
1: ideas. I don't want to I want to say one of me and Sean's ideas in case that cuz we are probably going to write them all one day, but um man,
0: I don't I feel like I know one, but what? What is it? <laughs> this is not for me to answer. I feel like you would say you've always wanted to do like a good Mary Shelley. Uh yeah something there was a mary shelley movie that came out a few years ago with al fanning
1: and it just like went under the radar and the reviews were really bad and i was was like let me do like a horror movie biopic of just like their time at lake geneva coming up with these ghost stories it would be like so spooky i would obviously take liberties with it and make it like a slasher or something and kill percy That's a pretty fun idea Uh, Um, you guys should do that yeah yeah yeah. Ugh, and it could be like in a cool mansion on on a lake, like Crimson Peak. And it would just, ugh, yeah. costumes would be amazing.
0: And yeah, as much add as I love Elle
1: Spanning, I would not cast her. I wouldn't either. I thought that was an odd choice. I love her. She's great on the great, but I'd probably cast someone more like, I know if like Eva Green were 20.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I say Eva Green can do it. I don't care. Amazing. <laughs> I don't care. I'm in charge. so. (laughs) But definitely, even
1: before you said Mary Shelley, it would have been something in a gothic manner, perhaps on the moors, some sort of like Victorian murder mystery.
0: That'd be so fun. Yeah. Well, I look forward to the time in life when uh, we're doing that. Hooray. Hooray. When Guillermo del Toro and I become friends and collaborators. I think it can happen. I do too. Another advice question from Rach. What is the one piece of advice you would give to aspiring writers? My advice
1: has not worked for me yet, but I'm still going to give it because I have seen it a lot. And I just think personally it's what makes me happiest. And that is to like not write to any sort of market, Mm -hmm. not be like, oh, this is popular. I'm going to write this, or like, oh, we should really have like a a CBS sitcom type thing to sell. I think you should really stick to what makes you unique and excites you and interests you. Like, why would you write something that you have no interest in? I'm never going to write like a sports movie or a zombie thing or a Western as much as everybody wants us to. It just would not make (laughs) me happy. And if writing a show about the headless horseman after two years made me unhappy, can you imagine writing a western for two years? <laughs> Goodness gracious, That's I would fair. be on another planet. So <laughs> and I see that a lot for like literature too. It's like, oh, they say this is a dead genre, so you shouldn't write it. And I'm like, no, you if you want to write that yeah. story, you should definitely write that story. Um, even if it doesn't sell. Um yeah. I just think. Why would you ever get into this industry to do what other people want you to do? Because it's, that's not what it's for. It's not what it used to be for. And hopefully we'll Mm -hmm. go around again to everything not being IP and more original ideas again. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. Yay. Um, What is one TV or streaming show past or present that you'd want to be on the writing team for? definitely what we do in the
1: shadows yeah currently i just yeah. i feel like i could be in that room and come up with like a whole season's worth of ideas for these characters and that is not a testament to me it is a testament to the actors and the writers already who have created these characters who could be in any situation and be entertaining so i love yeah. those characters um yeah is that like it right now <laughs> That's a a great Um, answer. I I think you guys would be
0: great on that show.
1: I would have loved to have written for Penny Dreadful back in the day. I feel like Mm -hmm. another season of that with like some different fun Victorian characters would have been really cool. Could have done something cool with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Spooky things. Great answers. Um, that was Katie. And another question Hi, from Katie. If there was a spinoff of Headless, who would you like to write it for? Brahm, Matilda, Verla, and the Babes, Trousers and Trevor, series of Headless, other characters, basically <laughs> anybody. Well, everybody. I want
1: everybody to be back. Yeah. And I can't tell you because we already have an idea and I don't want to spoil it.
0: Just last night, Sean was coming up with some ideas that were really fun of like, Aww. oh, what if we did this in a season two? And yeah. what if this showed up? And yeah, yeah, it was really fun. But can we call it Headless anymore? He came up with the um, a name and I think it's good. Ooh, text me. Do you want to know it yeah, and I'll bleep me. it? Okay, I'll chat you. Chat <laughs> you guys can't uh, see it. You know, based on what it would be about. What do you think? Cool. Oh, uh, you don't like it as much as I thought. Oh, but I'm just thinking of the reviews that could be. Oh, that's true. Oh, people don't like it. But I like the, I like the, uh, uh, you know, yeah, construction <laughs> of, too. of that being what it is. Anyway, you guys can wonder what we said. <laughs> um, Steve asked, "What trip would you like to do next?".
1: I want to do that that found this train that goes to like Eastern Europe and like you can spend a night in Castle Dracula and it goes all through like Romania and it's really, sp- and you just visit a lot of like old castles in Hungary and stuff. And yeah, be really cool and spooky.
0: That sounds fun.
1: And I like the idea of a train because I could get a lot of writing done and a lot of drinking yeah.
0: done. Oh yeah. I do love my drinks. Coffee. I do too. And wine. I do, too. Looking forward to drinking lots of things in lots of places over our life, Mm -hmm. our lifetime. (laughs) All right. Final question. Besides your twin, (laughs) who are some writers you would like to collab with in an ideal world? Or if not collab, who are some of your writer inspirations? Uh, This was from Sophie. That's a great question.
1: I mean... Someone asked me the other day who my favorite writer is. It's probably Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. He has that exact, like, cross section of whimsy and eerie, fantastical, that I'm just like, that's just where I want to live. Yeah. And he can do it all. He can do, like, children's. He's the, probably one of the only writers that can just, like, be like, hey, publisher, I'm writing a kid's book now. And they're like, okay. I'm writing like a really horrific adult novel now. Okay. Whatever. Picture book. Okay. Um, and he's just, he's got those pros down. Um, other he's, got ins- yeah, he's got the juice. He's got the juice. Collaboration. I'm not sure because I'm, I would be, I would be terrified to write with people other than Sean. Do you I think mean, so. I'm writing with, I mean, it's no secret that Kurt and Angela and I are writing like something right now, but I know them so well now and it's like, I feel very comfortable bouncing ideas off of them. If I was bouncing ideas off of someone like way senior than me, I'd be like, oh my gosh, here we go. Um, But otherwise someone who's like writing, I really admire. I'm reading the third in her series, the Dublin murder squad series right now, Tana French, Irish American writer. And I've never I don't know that I've ever read prose like her. She can construct the most beautiful sentences. You're just like, how did you even think to see something this way? And it's just like a skill that I do not have and I do not think can be taught. And it's devastating and also really inspiring at the same time. And even if you're not yeah. into her stories or crime stories, which you will be, because they're awesome. You could just read like chapters and be like blown away by how she writes. And she looks kind of like ethereal like tilda swinton so um Hmm. that's cool i think at least in her profile she does who else do i love i love a lot of tv writers that i don't know their names probably because i i mean tina the tina phase of the world i i love um -hmm. yeah that could list so many novelists and tv writers but
0: i want to live in the funny whimsical spooky world I love that. And I think you can do that. And I think you are doing it,
1: mm.
0: which is cool. Um, well, we've been answering questions for a while and I we can wrap this up soon. But I would love to ask you to share your thoughts f- finally before we go with something that's been on my mind a lot lately, which is um, it, being, a, being a female, oh. doing what we're doing. I thought you were going to ask and- about the election. Oh no! <laughs> Why would you look so scared? Yeah, I don't want because it's scary. We probably you're voting for the same.
1: People. Yeah, no, I know, but it's like,
0: oh, Well, yeah, it is scary. Stop texting me, everyone. I but just I want know. since since uh, I have you on right now, mm-hmm. and I think you and I. I mean, obviously, we do not do the same thing, but you and I are in a similar situation because we are c- creators for a specific audience on the internet yeah obviously we are doing it together but yeah i don't know i'd love to hear your thoughts because i kind of talk about how i get frustrated about it sometimes yeah i don't know maybe you don't get frustrated about it maybe it's just me definitely do
1: but i just feel i do feel lucky to be a writer now Hmm. it feels like people are at least trying to change to turn the tide as much as it's like still a struggle. There is Mm -hmm. some like, like 10 years ago, there was never like initiatives to hire more women or like publishers Mm -hmm. looking for like by POC and and female stories like that didn't, that didn't exist. At least I wasn't on Twitter and Instagram 10 years ago, but that's what it seems like. It seems like it is trying to turn the tide but yeah it is definitely something i think about a lot i find myself clocking i'm watching a uh, that i'm watching guillermo del toro's anthology of of horror right now and i was like huh i'm on episode five or six Mm -hmm. and it's one female director and only one female lead interesting everyone else is a white man protagonist still Mm -hmm. and it's guillermo del toro and it's horror. was supposed to be a place where like anybody can bring in. And I'm not saying I haven't finished it. And it does do more for representation than a lot of, a lot of TV shows, but I'm still like, man, it's the majority is always white men. And you, I don't know, like people talking about favorite authors and, and favorite songwriters or like singers too. And it's like top three, almost always (laughs) just like a white Mm -hmm. dude. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, and I'm, Even I'm consciously trying to, to change the way I think about things. And like when people ask me my favorite comedians or writers or like filmmakers, just trying to make sure that my, that what I read and what I write and what I see and the movies I watch and everything I consume is like kind of equal or, or Mm -hmm. trying to seek out a more diverse palette of entertainment Mm -hmm. in my life to try and be Mm -hmm. the change you want to see. But yeah, I do. um, In general, I feel like not try to ignore, but I do try to just um, be like, Nope, I'm, I am me. I am a writer. I have just as much of a chance as anyone and try to kind of like live it that way. Otherwise I might go completely insane. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, I hope to continue to, uh, I don't know. Help your stuff happen. Yay! Help it get out there. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's so good. Thanks. Love to write yeah. good
1: lady characters. Not necessarily strong. They can be weak <sighs>
0: and still great. Weak. Well, I think um, you always do it, and I think that is one of the things that people have really flocked to about our projects, whether they realize it or not. Mm-hmm. That makes me so Even happy sean is often kind of the lead character but like i think he would say that matilda is not i, I mean matilda the headless is matilda's story and mm-hmm. then it's not ichabod's story
1: and hey you know what the headless horseman was a horse her the whole time you didn't even know yeah you're watching a lady's story
0: i like yeah i don't know i kind of thought people would be more excited about that mm-hmm. i guess yeah <laughs> But maybe I'm wrong to, I don't know. I think when we revealed it in episode nine or
1: episode eight, actually, people yeah. still thought there was going to be another twist.
0: And I was like, I no, that
1: that's it. That's
0: who it is. <laughs>
1: I think you might be right about
0: that. i was like, no, no, no yeah. be excited. I mean, there was another
1: twist. Yes. It was just about something else. But we, but we do tell you who the horseman is. And there was not a gotcha. That's just who it is. They did yeah. it in episode eight.
0: But then it was Felicia and that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool.
1: Yeah, Sean. Sean's a lead, but it's fun to surround him with all these zany ladies who sometimes make his life miserable.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's fun. So fun. Well, thanks for joining me today and being my guest this month. I know everyone is so excited to hear from you. So fun to answer everybody's questions and win a poll. Um... Yeah, you won the poll. I love to win a poll. I was just trying to think if there's anything you want to say about what's coming in the future for you and for Shipwrecked, but people know it's Greater Gatsby.
1: (laughs) Greater Gatsby got a lot of uh, fast talking script to write. I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I think when we record, we should like fill the sound studio with fog, and everybody should be smoking. Yeah, make it
0: very really real. Atmosphere.
1: It would be super weird to go into the sound booth in like my pajamas and do like fig wine shine scenes. You're gonna have to be I'm, in full. I need to wear the hat and I need to have like a 1940s. very form fitting. Um,
0: yeah, power a suit. tight. Yeah, a tight skirt. Yeah. <laughs> Make you stand up straight. We went to
1: the Academy Museum with my mom and Sadira this past weekend, and they
0: had a lot of great, great inspirational costumes for. it makes me a little sad Mm -hmm. i mean who's to say that greater gatsby won't take off and then we actually can make the Mm. filmed version of it but yeah i i will miss all these beautiful costumes but also i won't miss having to pay for them so no (laughs) and having a wardrobe binder (laughs) exactly all right. Well, Sinead, if people don't follow you already, where can they find you and follow you? Follow me on Twitter if you're still
1: there. I'm not leaving because literally, where would I post about any of my stuff? There yeah. will always be a mean billionaire to come and ruin our lives. So I'm at Sinead yeah. Persaud there. At Sinead yeah. Persuade on Instagram for some reason. And mm-hmm. I'm wherever shipwrecked is, which is everywhere, everything, all at
0: all at once. <laughs> Sure is. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Thanks for sharing your art with the world. I think the world needs more of it personally, but I'm biased. Here it is. But I think. Have some. Have some. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we end. Bye. 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 All right, everybody, hope you enjoyed that chat with Sinead. She is such a creative person and I am so honored that she allows me to be a part of helping bring her stories to life because it gives me a lot of purpose and I think that she is just, she just comes up with such interesting, fun, whimsical, original things and she and Sean together are such a force to be reckoned with and I... Love their writing in a way that I just can't quite explain reading anything they write just feels like a warm hug of like being at home and the way that their humor is is so clever and original and Comforting, and um, I just really love it. I mean, it's obvious because I never shut up about shipwrecks, but I'm so happy that we get to make things together. And I'm so happy to be a part of their lives in the way that I am. Like I said before, if you enjoyed this, there is so much more on my Patreon 30 more episodes of this podcast. And you can hear me talk more about Headless in the episode that I posted on Patreon with Sinead back from December of 2022. In two weeks, my guest will be none other than Dylan Glathorn, who is of course the composer for Headless. Now, his interview is originally from June of 2021. So that was actually before Headless had come out. The Kickstarter had just come out. So we don't talk about his work on Headless, which if you haven't watched or listened, it's it's unbelievably brilliant. I cannot believe Dylan Glathorn works for us. <laughs> it's insane. He is a genius. He's so good. And the music in Headless is so good. Go get the soundtrack. Anyway, that will be my next um, interview coming up in a couple of weeks. As always, if you don't mind sharing this podcast with someone who you think might enjoy it, that would be so nice. Go leave me a rating or a review. Um, the reason I'm putting this out publicly is to just share it and make it available for more people. And, um, you know, these the algorithm these days is really killing me and all my problems projects. Not that many people are listening, which of course is not the point, but I would love to be able to share it with more folks if if they're so um, interested in listening. So please do your girl a solid and shoot me a review, leave me a rating, share it with somebody, post it on whatever. I just really enjoy these chats and I, I hope that, that they are interesting to you as well. And of course, if you want to go the extra mile, you can join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash mkwiles, where there are so many more episodes of this podcast, extended episodes, and a lot of other good things and goodies, and you get to know what's going on in my life and career. All right, everybody, thank you for listening, wishing you a wonderful day, and see you in a couple weeks. Bye! Dear Old World is produced by me, Mary-Kate Wiles. The music is by Dylan Glathorn. My podcast art is by Sophie Lesher. And this episode was edited by Lizzie Goldsmith.
1: I'm going to answer that, but first I'm going to let Gomez out because he is <laughs> Is screaming. he? I can't hear him. <laughs> yeah. Gomez screams when he wants to get let <laughs> out. <laughs>